Oak City Move is a podcast on 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people creating positive change in the triangle and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Monday on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org slash listen. For episodes and more information, go to our blog at blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. 88.1 WKNC. That song you just heard was called No One by Them Are Us Too. Before that, you heard Don't Want to Say Goodbye by Cutworms. My name is Sarah, and you're listening to Oak City Move, a program here on WKNC. Oak City Move is a show here on the radio station that aims to highlight people and organizations that are enacting positive change in their communities. And so today, I'm really excited to, can, to share uh, an interview that I've been working for a while on to try to try to get together, but it's with a guy called Bessem Yusuf. He is of the John Stewart of the Middle East. Um, and just kind of some backstory of like some of my personal connection to him. He is a comedian from Egypt and he used to be a surgeon, but during Arab Spring kind of saw a need for political satire and comedy to process the, you know, the current happenings with the revolution and, um, you know, the different government things that were going on at the time. And when his show started, I was in middle school. I was also living in Egypt at the time. So it was really cool to be able to talk to him. And he's actually coming to UNC Chapel Hill next week. Um, So I'll be able to give you guys some more information about how you can get tickets. And if you want to check out his show after hearing your interview. But basically, I was able to go over with phone call. Uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) go over a phone conversation with him and kind of talk about some of the things um, to do with political satire and comedy, but then also kind of how that relates to politics and our current climate. So here's that interview. And then if you stick around afterwards, I can give you some information on how you can get to his show in Chapel Hill and different events I'll be speaking at over those two days. For sure. And me personally, I was also living in Egypt at the time. I was in middle school and I grew up like kind of during that time period, I was like coming into adolescence, but I was also able to watch your show. And that for me and a lot of my peers was the first time that we really saw, um, you know, criticism of the government in such a way that was very publicized. Um, So I think that was like important to a lot of of the Egyptian youth um, as they were seeing Arab Spring unfold, but then also seeing things like your show and kind of what that meant for the political landscape over there. Um, But so you moved to the U S a few years ago. It's kind of around the same time I did. I moved here around three years ago. So what were some of the things that surprised you most about life in the U S specifically as an Egyptian Muslim? Well, the thing is like, hello. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We got you. I think we lost you for a second. Well, you're back. I I said like, Surprising me from the U.S. because I'm like in the U.S. very regularly, mm-hmm. and I never had this what what people would uh, describe as a culture shock. Yeah. So no, so and I also like you know you get 
prepared by that by American media. And we here in the Middle East are pretty much kind of like connected to the American culture. So I wasn't really, there's not, not, not much, not much that really um, shocked me. Yeah, and so I guess with it, with that, like kind of with that shift, I guess you there wasn't as big of a culture shock. But with your um, approach to like political comedy and satire, was that changed at all? Because obviously here in the U.S., politics, um, you know, the role of politics is very different. There's a very different um, cultural background, language barriers, religion, things like that. So did that change the way you approach political comedy at all, or has your work remained the same? Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're totally good. Um, with kind of moving to the United States, um, and you're continuing to do you know political comedy and satire, has your approach to that changed at all um, when you moved to the United States? Well, it did, but it had, it did because of like you change the language and you change the audience. Uh, you, you have to change the delivery, and you have to change the timing, and you have to rewire and like, you rethink everything that you say in a way that it lands. Yeah, for sure. Um, and just kind of going to go off of that, like, satire and political comedy, like, has really been a much, has been a lot more mainstream in the U.S. than it has been uh, in Egypt or the Middle East in general. So do you think that has changed at all? Though, like, under the current administration, I think we're seeing a lot more instances of, like, popularity of satire and political comedy. So do you think that the current administration in the United States, has that had anything to do with that? Um, and like, how has that really influenced political comedy well, here? The first time, but that's not the first time. I mean, like, I remember the 80s, it was like the golden age of comedy. And maybe that was kind of like, you know, you know. Hello. Yes. Hi, sorry, I think you're just breaking up a little bit. Would you mind repeating what you just said? I said, uh, I said, yes, because uh, that was not the first time that this would happen, because it mm-hmm. happened before in, in uh, under George W. Bush. Yeah. You know? And uh, so it's kind of like, and I'm, maybe I'm because I'm old enough to remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's not the first time, actually. It happened before. And so, and uh, this is kind of like the repeat, and I think the same way that uh, George W. Bush solidified the position of John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, it is now solidifying people like Trevor Noah and uh, and um, uh, and and other uh, a lot of comedians. Yeah, and so I know, like, and I kind of like had been able before this interview to kind of watch some of the work that you've done here. It's so, like with the Democracy Handbook and different interviews you've given. Um, but one thing that you did mention in one of your other interviews was the fact that President Trump didn't come to the White House White House Correspondents Dinner at one point, which is pretty significant, um, considering that most of the presidents usually come. So do you see that within the current administration that it, there's maybe a difference in terms of response to criticism? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that is something that is very unique to Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, even George W. Bush, with all of his shortcoming, he never really responded that um, uh like, you know, aggressively to the media. They accepted that that's part of the American system. And then I think that, like, really Trump represents, like, a departure of that, an anomaly of, like, how presidents receive, like, react to uh, the media. 
Yeah, for sure. And even to now, I think with like current events, especially with um, the murder of like the Saudi Arabian journalist, um, because he worked here in the United States, but kind of the administration's response to that has been, oh, well, he wasn't an American citizen. Um, no, no, it's, it's not just that. I mean, there's like a whole slew of things. I mean, like yeah. we have never seen an American president kind of like answering to uh, Putin like this. You know, mm-hmm. never. I mean, I mean, it was clear, and it seems that whatever goes for him, uh, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's very depressing. Actually, it creates a lot of more content though for people that are in satire, political comedy. I mean, that's just... It, 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 it does, but <laughs> I have to say, at a certain point, it, does, it really doesn't become funny anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so it's interesting to kind of... And, like, I've watched this kind of in, like, your Democracy Handbook. There were a couple of episodes where this was, like, obviously towards the beginning of his presidency and, like, during the election season, um, but kind of interacting with, like, a variety of his supporters it was very interesting to see how people were so easily like swayed by some of the different points he was making, even the ones that were very discriminatory. Um, So it was just like interesting to see like how, I guess like some people may perceive political comedy now because, well, okay, the president is saying, is, is, you know, openly saying that this isn't something um, that should be valued or, you know, uh, seen as worthwhile. So why should we um, take that into account as well? Do you, like, do you understand? You mean, you know what I mean? Like, kind of the, just like, oh, I, I, I lost you. Where is the question? Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I was just kind of like commenting on, um, like, yeah. whereas before, like, the system, like you had said, was, mm. was mainly like, wasn't, you know, always on the same side as different commentators and comedians and things like that, but they were still willing to accept it. But now there's kind of this shift of, well, no, if the president's not taking it, we won't either. Like, you know, kind of different criticisms and people being more outspoken um in terms of opinions that may be discriminatory or offensive if that makes any sense yeah but i mean are you commenting or questioning i mean i know i just was like just trying to see what like what if you if you agreed as well or or uh yeah yeah sometimes i get lost oh no yeah sorry that's my bad Uh, yeah um and so Another thing that's been happening, too, with this administration is that younger people have, like, always always younger people have been, you know, involved in political movements and things like that, but especially with social media and and different aspects have really put people in my generation um, and, like, people that are currently, like, in school um, getting more involved in politics and criticism of the government at an earlier age. So what kind of power do you think lies there when you have younger people coming up and speaking out against their elected officials or against um, people in positions of power. So what do you think, like, young people have uh, like, well, I in that role? We had a perfect example from the people from the shooting of Florida. They mm-hmm. have actually created a national movement. And I think they are, for the first time, there is like now an awareness of what can young people can do and sway elections, even the, most, the deepest threat states ever. So I think that people from the survivors of the Florida shooting are now kind of like setting an example of what they can do. They always, I don't think like, this is not like a question of what do I think. It's mm-hmm. already happened. It's just like, we need to observe and, and, and follow and support. Yeah, and kind of thinking about that in the context of, you know, back home, you know, in Egypt, they, um, like, a, like a big part of the revolution was also led by young people. Um, but do you think that, you know, the 
like, do you think there's an opportunity for young people overseas, specifically like in Egypt or the Middle East, to kind of have that same empowerment? Or it, it, it can't really make parents because mm-hmm. it's just different. You have military dictatorship, you have like oppression, you have people yeah. being killed and people to jail. So it's just it's it's like no, you can't really make the same parents. It's just you have to say they have to have like a, a, a different type ground to allow this to happen. So uh, and this is why. Uh, democracy in, in Tunisia is somehow doing better because the army is not interfering with 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 with, uh, with governance. It's just like it's different. Yeah, there's just kind of like a different background that goes into it, like policy-wise and things like that. Um, so I guess kind of looking at some of the things that you've been working on over the past you know, a couple of years, you have like the Democracy Handbook series that I mentioned, it's a web series, and then your book, Revolution for Dummies, and the Tickling Giants documentary, all of those were just really great, like kind of detailing the things that you've been working on um, since the start of your career in comedy. But what sort of things are you looking to work on in the next couple of years or that you're working on currently? Well, I'm doing uh, live shows all around, uh, like different states and different venues, trying to solidify kind of like a um, a, a life act, and also I'm working on scripted and unscripted projects that hopefully will come to fruition. But at the end of the day, this is Hollywood. This is the industry, and everybody is basically hustling until they get the big break. For sure. Um, yeah. And I guess like when looking at people are different people like nowadays, especially with like the rise of. I know you mentioned this in your book, like the rise of YouTube and like different platforms like that really have a lot to do with like you can can have a lot to do with different people's success because they have different platforms that they weren't able to use in the past. Um, so what kind of suggestions, I guess, would you give to people that are trying to share a specific message or theme, you know, through storytelling or comedy? What kind of tips would you give to them um, if they're looking to get into this business? So first of all, if the Middle East, be, be safe more than yeah, anything else. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, but here it's... Uh, it is about um, what do you need. What 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 we uh, have to kind of fill out what what the uh, audience needs, and you have to talk to them. Well, if you can uh, like reach them, that would be make uh, uh, like a huge difference. For sure. And so, what kind of messages? I know, like with your. So obviously, like it's like you said, it's a very different audience going from Egypt and the Middle East to here. Um, but like when you're giving your shows or, you know, just in general having these kinds of conversations, what sort of messages are you trying to send um, to people, especially people that are facing, you know, different forms of oppression, whether it's, you know, dictatorships or, um, you know, discriminatory laws or anything like that? What kind of messages and themes are you trying to share with them? I am, I am basically, I'm, I'm sharing my story and mm-hmm. through that personal story, people can really, uh, um, uh, connect with that and they can see parallels of what they're going through because at the end of the day it's a story of someone who had to face uh, uh, kind of like pressure because of what they thought and I think this is like a common theme for everybody now. For sure. Um, and just like to close any closing remarks that you have just especially to um, with like you know young people that are like getting into this movement like it can be you know, like as a younger person, you go into it with a much more idealistic view at the beginning, you know, you kind of, you feel very invincible, like, you know, you have all this, um, you have all this power, like, in that change in the world. 
I, I think young people should know that they have more power than they think they have. And mm-hmm. I think they can actually make difference. And again, I want to just, uh, uh, like the, the, the example of the Florida survivors, you know, mm-hmm. they are, they did, they did, they did something that is, that inspired a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And just along those lines, um, just people that are looking to start movements and, and just like, especially with your story specifically, you know, facing, continuously facing people that are telling you no, that are, you know, kind of standing in your way, how would you encourage them, you know, to, to stay on that same path and like stay with what they think is right? Um, especially in the face of people that are always, you know, telling them that they're wrong or trying to push them down. Yeah. Um, so like, how would you, how would you go about that? Like, how would you um, encourage them to do this? Well, the thing is, again, you know, as I said, they have to find their own venue. Like, there mm-hmm. are like the the, uh, the Florida supporters. I keep back going back to this <laughs> yeah. because it's very clear. And I think like you, you will have your own way. They it's, they don't need someone like me to tell them because uh, I am I am from a different generation and I have different variables. I found my way through YouTube videos. They can find their way through something, so they will have. Their thing, you understand? Yeah, for sure. Is there any, I guess, any last things that you want, um, just like the people of North Carolina or specifically students in this area to know? Sorry, come see the show. I want to see everybody. That's the whole thing. Yeah, and you're going to be in Chapel Hill on uh, ne- next week, right? Um, yes. You're going to be there for. You're going to be there for a couple of events, right? You have your ticketed event. And then you're doing something with the School of Public Health, and then you're also having an Arabic town hall. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. Well, hopefully people can come out and see you then, and I'll be sharing more information about how they can get tickets and the specifics of all that. But thank you so much for talking to me. Um, like, really uh, means a lot that you take the time out to do this. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you. Have a good one. You do. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, that was my interview with Mr. Best Music. If you missed any of that, it will be available on wknc.org slash podcast within the next couple of days. Or if you go to SoundCloud uh, and search WKNC, it should be on there. And so um, as for his events in Chapel Hill, there are two that are open to the general public. The first one is a um, stand-up comedy show. It's called Best Music, The Joke is Mightier Than the Sword. And that's on November 7th at 730 in Memorial Hall at University of Chapel Hill. It's uh, the prices are listed on uh, their website. If you go to Facebook and search Best Musif UNC, Um, but there are special prices available for students. So if you are a student at Chapel Hill or at NC State or any other school, um, be sure to check that out. And then the next event that he is hosting is the following day on November 8th at 6 p.m. And it is the Arabic language town hall. So if you um, no Arabic if you're a native Arabic speaker or anything like that. Um, this event is going to be hosted at Art Space, also at Chapel Hill, but it's kind of just a way for the local Arabic community to connect over um, the shared bond of that language, especially as it's a language that isn't super common within the United States. So I'm going to play some more music for you guys real quick, and then we can come back and talk a little bit more about early voting uh, and kind of what it means to be voting in WKNC. That song you just heard a minute ago is called Giovanni by Jamila Woods. Before that, you heard Borders by St. Beauty. 
and you're listening to Oak City Move, a program here on WKNC that aims to highlight people and organizations that are enacting positive change in their communities. So before I took a quick song break, we listened to an interview with Bess Musif, and if you missed that, you can catch that, um, again, like I mentioned before, on our uh, website at wknc.org slash podcast, or by going to SoundCloud and searching WKNC, it should be up there within the next couple of days. But another thing I want to mention real quick before we sign off is voting. So we got the midterm elections coming up. We have early voting going on right now. And um, especially for people that are part of the NC State community, whether you're alum or current students or anything like that, early voting is super duper easy because we have a voting spot in tally, which is super awesome. Um, and for people that aren't uh, members of the NC State community or don't go to NC State, don't really know what tally is. It's essentially our student center that's here on campus. So if you live close by to NC State or just happen to be near campus, you can also vote there. You don't have to be uh, a resident of campus or anything like that. You just have to be a registered Wake County voter. Um, and another thing people are also kind of worried about, like, well, I haven't registered to vote, so can I still vote in early voting? Yes, they have same-day voter registration here in North Carolina at early voting. And for Tally Student Union, the early voting dates are running through Saturday, November 3rd. So this upcoming Saturday, or yes, through this upcoming Saturday, Monday through Friday. So today through this upcoming Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So you have plenty of time before or after work. Saturdays are 8 a.m. to 1. And so, yeah, that's more than enough time for everybody to go and vote. It's super duper quick. It literally took me like five, 10 minutes. Um, and it's just really important to kind of share your voice especially in elections that people tend to overlook and don't vote in so it's really important to use these resources that we've been given especially with tally um it was a really hard fight i know for the people that were trying to make it a voting location it wasn't easy (laughs) to get tally and a lot of people were kind of apprehensive about making it a location and wanted to make it somewhere else but the people that were advocating for it really spoke to as an accessible site for both students and non-students um, and just the general Wake County community. So be sure to go out and do early voting. If you can't make it early voting, you can still go on election day. You do have to be registered prior though. So that is one thing to keep in mind. And um, there are plenty of resources online that will give you uh, different information about um, the potential candidates and things like that and if you don't know what different positions are going to be on your specific ballot based on your address you can go to the wake county voting site and you can put in your zip code and it'll give you a um, mock ballot it'll show you exactly what districts you're in it'll show you who you need to be thinking about in terms of who you're going to be voting for what um, uh, issues that are going to show up on your ballot so for everybody this uh, election there's going to be amendments six constitutional amendments that are going to be showing up there's going to be three bonds that are showing up um, and then obviously a bunch of different um, people for various local and uh, federal government positions so be sure to vote you can also check out packthepolls.dasa.ncsu.edu and that will also give you all the information um, there's also parking provided for voters so if that's another thing that you're worried about in terms of voting at tally fear no more there is parking provided for you guys so everything's set up that all you have to do is just come and vote and you get a sticker and everything it's really great so we're gonna be listening to some more music and like i said you can catch the interview that i had earlier uh on 88.1's website which is wknc.org and feel free to 
shoot me an email and let me know who you would like to hear from next. Our email is oakcitymove at gmail.com. All one word, the way it sounds, the way it's usually spelled. Um, 